The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Rocky Romero of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to the Super J Cast. Woo! Asuka. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by David McDonalds and little Esther, special guest this week. He's toddling around dangerously close to my microphone. Uh, how's it going, Damon? Good, good. You got your hands full over there, right? Uh, we'll have a third mic. We'll, get, we'll have to get a uh, third mic. Maybe we get... Oh, we already got some recommendations of our microphone. <laughs> That Esther can use. Yeah, um, if, like, let me just get this uh, clear the air here. If people want to recommend microphones to improve, I, I'm well aware that my sound quality has gone down the shitter uh, since I've been stuck in this hotel. Um, I don't really care. <laughs> if someone wants to buy me a brand new microphone, I will gratefully accept it, but I'm not digging out of my own money to uh, pay for one myself because uh, i got <laughs> bigger fish to fry. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But that's nice, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, suggestions but yeah i don't i don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon that's for goddamn sure and plus we're communicating over skype and um i mean that's how we record we, we do record locally but um and then we send it off to dan to edit but it is a bit of a process and nobody's making any money and, and here's the thing i feel bad for dan because he's i mean he's got his band he's got work he's 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 a mover and shaker over there you know, making a yeah, sure the trade union stuff, yeah. the trade union rep stuff. He is a very, very busy man, and yeah, I've, I feel guilty as well that <laughs> when I hand him this absolute shit to try and make into something listenable, right? I feel right. very guilty about that, right? We're like, uh, do me a favor, just edit out this little piece here and, and add this stinger and add the, you know, and he's like, okay, I want to go to bed. So I, I do feel bad too, and then I get the file, then I got to up. So it's a little bit of a process, but anyhow. Uh, we wouldn't labor do it. of love, <laughs> labor of love. Exactly, we wouldn't do it if we didn't uh, enjoy it. Again, I'm waking up at fucking five thirty to uh, put put on a show, and again, no complaints. We all have our struggles, our daily struggles, but uh, we're doing this for our pleasure and yours. So um, let's do another uh, award winning podcast. And uh, speaking of award winning, I, I wanted to ask you something. Um, you, I saw that you put in your voices of wrestling matches of the year. And I saw a lot of people got in on that. And I, I, I think it's, uh, uh, good on them that they were able to share that. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I do know why. Like I didn't do one. I, I didn't do one. And it was a conscious decision. Like, it wasn't even out of pure laziness what, what it, when it usually is. 
Um, I just didn't feel Bullshit. right. Bullshit. What's that? Bullshit. <laughs> you you forgot or you couldn't be, but it's, it's a pain in the ass, Damon, because not only have you got to put all the... You've got to think of your matches, get them in the right order. Right. If you don't put the exact exactly correct date in the correct format then either Joe or Rich is going to yell at me (laughs) and I still manage to fuck one of them up and then they're asking for blurbs as well and people write these amazing blurbs you know really capturing the essence of uh, the match and why they loved it I I couldn't be bothered so I I didn't put any this year I I thought you know come on we've got a fucking podcast if you want to hear my thoughts about a match just go and listen to whichever show we discussed it then right right that's I mean that's really my overarching thing that and that is true I mean you you are correct but it was it was also something where it was like I just when I was I actually sat down to do it and one I I I just didn't want it to be I just didn't feel like my pro wrestling knowledge especially for this year was anywhere near where it needed to be for me to cast a ballot. Does that make sense? Like I hadn't watched shit. Well, that didn't stop all the other people that voted for that fucking AEW tag match as their match of the year, so <laughs> you shouldn't have felt bad about it. Right, okay. All right. But like 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 you know. Sorry, I take it. I'm going to get slaughtered for that. It was a, it was a fantastic match and well deserving of being number one. There you go. There you go. Way to backpedal. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It stank. <laughs> Dad, edit this bit out. <laughs> Dad's going to have more work now. Say you did. Um, I just didn't feel like I watched enough wrestling to to have a have an educated voice. I really didn't. And. I could have cheesed off of somebody's top 10 and been like, all right, well, let me watch just these 10 matches and I'll just juggle the order. And I just didn't feel like that was right. I just didn't feel like that was right. So that's one. And it's not like I'm sitting here giving them a blank ballot thinking I'm fucking changing the world or like I'm John Lennon or something. Um, but I just didn't feel – I just didn't feel like this I, – I, I, I had – I had – a a legitimate voice in this. And then two, I don't know, man. I, I couldn't rank I just didn't feel like any of these matches that even that I that I would say, okay, these were great, were comparable to past year's greatness. Yeah, you could say the fucking dome shows. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're absolute great matches, and then and then there were other matches that you could, get, but but it's few and bar far between, for me. I just didn't think it was like a, a year where I'm going to sit there and write ten matches to in a year where I just didn't really feel it. I don't know. I just I, so for those that may have asked or those that are questioning. Where mine was, and add to the fact that yeah, I, I uh, like he would get he would get this on a a in an email, and it would be abbreviated names. And <laughs> you know, he, they would have taken my ballot and been like, "What the fuck is this? Can you put some effort into this, you asshole?" Um, and they would have gotten none. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, well, mine was all New Japan, all, all ten of them, and I did watch most of the. Hyped matches from other promotions, and yeah, I can appreciate them on an aesthetic 
point of view, but they just don't do anything for me emotionally. I've got no investment in the product. So I just went with the matches that made me excited and jumping out of my chair, which is how I end up with <laughs> four of my top 10 landing outside the top 100. So I'm very much against the consensus here, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Wait, 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 wait. Um, wait four out of the top 100? Four of my top ten landed outside of the top 100. Oh, look at you. Look at you, yeah. edgy lord. Because <laughs> <laughs> I picked stuff like, uh, you remember that G1 match, Evil against Zack? Yeah. And I love that. And I, I rewatched that so many times. I love the finish of it. I'd be, you know, jumping out off the sofa like, yeah, God, Zack's stealing the win after the big baddie. No one else gave a shit about that much <laughs> apart from me. So I put that tenth and it, it landed like in number 257 or something. <laughs> Right. Uh, the the New Year dash tag I had at number nine. Uh, Show versus Shingo from the New Japan Cup I had number eight. I think that might have sneaked into the top hundred actually. Um, Naito versus Tanahashi hasn't come up yet, so that will be fairly high. I think Ibushi Taichi also hasn't come up yet, so it should be in the top fifty. Uh, my match number five was the six man title match: Goto Ishi Yoshihashi against Taichi Zack and Doki from Road to Power Struggle. Uh, and yeah, that was well out of the top 100. Wow. Um, and my third place match, uh, Dangerous Techers versus Golden Aces from Dominion, that was also out of the top 100. Um, wow. I've skipped my fourth one. Fourth was Osprey Hiromu, second Hiromu Despi, and first Okada Naito. And I expect them to finish quite high. So yeah. uh, three of my top four are pretty chalk picks, and I think we'll do well. But uh, a lot of them were just matches that I enjoyed at the moment and were memorable for sort of emotional investment reasons rather than the actual technical quality of the match alone and I'm perfectly okay with that because it, it was a weird year a weird year for weird picks and Esther is in full agreement with me so I make no apologies for that yeah she's got a good point I'm not gonna lie uh, yeah I mean that that is what it is and here here's the thing too I'm, and I will say this about the laziness factor I, I get burnout out very quickly <laughs> like I like when we do our year-end awards I barely have the energy for that <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, right, and, and then I find myself sitting down to watch a 53-minute long Noah match that everyone's telling me is amazing, and I feel nothing, you know? But yeah. time is very precious. Yeah, yeah. I, I, did you did you actually watch that match? Did you wind up watching yeah, it? Yeah, I've, I've watched all of these matches that people tell me, oh, you've got to see this Shiozaki match, you've got to see this Dragon Gate match, you've got to see this AW match, and I watch them, and I can I see why people like them, but they just don't do anything for me. Uh, have you did you have you seen the the um, AEW match that is going to finish top? Yeah, uh, the tag match, the Hangman Page Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I thought I thought that was I thought it was you know a, a fucking wild, entertaining, crazy spot filled modern day pro wrestling match um which 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 i thought was really good and really fun um it's it's an easy watch like it's it's um like you do, you you could pop that match on i feel like and show it to a person and they would get completely entertained by it right um it, you, it again, you could just parachute right in, and I kind of did like a little bit of the backstory with Hangman Page, kind of you know breaking away from elite and the, the heat that was. I don't know. I I I I did enjoy that match. I did like it. Yeah. The the big sticking point for a lot of people, myself included, is this trope of not wanting to hurt your opponent because they're also your friend. Yeah, yeah. Which which is uh, something that. 
I, and I've been talking about it on our discords. Um, and I think the the first instance of it popping up was was it WrestleMania 24 with a Ric Flair, Flair Shawn, Shawn Michaels, Michaels retirement yeah. match that I'm sorry I love you like oh, I'm really reluctant to to do this to you and that in a lot of ways I think has kind of poisoned the well for a lot of US wrestling stories and I just this is probably just going to get me a load of grief on Twitter and iTunes reviews but I don't care um, but yeah this, this thing like I don't want to hurt my opponent when you're you know you're prize fighters and you're in this fighting environment like any other wrestling promotion well no that's maybe that's not fair or like mixed martial arts for, for example like when two friends go at it together they they beat the shit out of each other you know they don't hold back it's like you know I respect you you're my friend so I'm going to go extra hard on you and you know we're going to lay it all on the line to see who the better man is so this whole oh I don't want to do my move on you it just it's not for me yeah uh, um and, and again in, in sport there, you know, after the bell rings and the match is over, you know, there's always a, a hug or you know, a, you know, a show of respect to that person. And but yeah, uh, but here's the thing: with it's, it's with everything because in that moment and watching that match live, right? So you got Flair, who's again going to retire like Terry Funk retires, um, and then you know, and Michaels, and you knew it was and Flair was going to do his best to go all out, and that the build where Flair had to beat all these people, where he was going, you know, he wasn't even going to make it the mania, and I thought that was good. Yeah, what, I agree. I think it worked within the context of that story because yep. then it made sense. It's like he was he, Shawn Michaels was reluctant to retire his hero, right. basically, and he knew that if he if he did that and he does the super kick and pins him, then there's no more Ric Flair. So he's got mixed feelings about that. But that you cannot apply that same emotion and logic to every fucking you know, a, a tag match. It's, it's a tag title match. Fucking do the. You do you finish on the guy, pin him, get the belts. What, yeah. You know, this is not a matter of life and death. It's just a, sort of the overblown, overwrought, mawkish. I just, yeah, it's not for me. But that's sorry, everything. It feels so like. if you loved it, I'm sorry. I, I, I get people who who loved it, um, but it, it is. It's like it's like, but it's with everything. You know what I mean? Like uh, to use a terrible example, it's like if something works, people are going to use it. As as often as possible because it worked, right? Right, and and wasn't it exactly the same thing that they did in the Strong Style Evolve match, um, a match that obviously was so terrible that it killed the New Japan Pura cast. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know, it was it was the same deal, wasn't it? Like except with Ibushi being replaced by Hangman Page, it was again the Bucks and Omega not wanting to hurt each other, and I didn't like it then. I you know, even though that was a New Japan match, and whilst, you know, aesthetically, like, the action in the ring, incredible stuff. I, I really enjoyed that, but then when it's like, I don't want to do my move on you, then I'm rolling my eyes, so it's it's the same deal, you know, I'll, I'll hold the same energy for when it was in the New Japan context as I do when it's in AEW. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. That does get a little bit, all right, we, we, we've seen it before, you're doing it, you know, it's like, all right, we get it. I thought the match was good, though. Um, and then the, do you want to do you want to make more enemies now, or do you want to? <laughs> what about the? Yeah, go on, let's just <laughs> every fucking scorch the. What did you, you think? Did you watch the Noah match? Yeah, I've watched all of them. I've watched the. No, I didn't watch the staring one because. Yeah. Right. No. Not. Not in this day and age. Not for me. Thirty minutes of staring. Um, I've watched the. Did that Shizaki make a top ten? Nakaji- Sorry. Did that make a top ten? 
Uh, I don't know yet. They've only gone up to the top 50, but it's going to be high. But it's high. the top 50. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I've watched the Shiazaki-Nakajima match. I've watched the Shiazaki-Sugiura match. Right. And, yeah, I again, I, I watch it and appreciate why people love them and people who are emotionally invested in those characters, in that promotion and those storylines. I totally get it. Like, if I was into that, I would probably rank it very highly as well. But as a... An outsider just dropping in, parachuting in for that match without all that context and attachment didn't do it for me. But I found it less egregious than the AEW one. Right. Uh, I, I did like it. And and if both of those matches, truth be told, would, would have been in my top 10 if, you know, it, they really would. Um, there were moments where it was like, the, the, where I was bored to tears. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like it was just like, okay, we get it, you know. And I guess that's the whole point is no, you don't get it. We're going another fucking ten minutes of this, uh beating the, the living piss out of each other. Um it that to me got a little bit like, okay. Like we're hitting the spam button, it felt like. And it was just like, okay, 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 okay. We're gonna do okay, okay. I don't I don't know. I, to me, it was a hard. It was a brutal match. Like, like it was fucking Ronnie Garvin Flair for you know doing the the same mm-hmm. pounding on each you, other's spots. <laughs> I tell you that you, you really want to piss the the Noah fans off. One might argue that Ilya Dragunov and Walter did the same stuff, but in half the time. Yeah, and were a more time efficient version of the same tale. I, sure, I, I, I swear to God, swear to God, that that's my thought process on that. <laughs> it really is, um, and I think maybe maybe the shock of that being where it occurred, where you would never expect something like that to be shown on that particular television program, and that. Uh, promotion maybe that made it a little bit more jarring for me like i'm not going to say that you would see that every day on a noah show certainly not but if you're going to see it you're going to see it on a noah show right it it would it's not that jaw dropping or or jarring for fucking nxt what uk was it it is a little bit of a what the fuck and they are two guys that that have, you know Walter's pretty you know notorious for working a style like that when he wasn't signed. Uh, I thought it was I thought that was more jarring than 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 the Noah match. Um, but both of those two, both of those two, both of them were in my top ten in my make a list in a notebook. Yeah, they were they were in my top ten. Um, but I, but I agree with you. I feel like it was a more efficient use of time. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, that Walter Dragunov match was the only one that I seriously considered putting in my top ten. But then I just thought, did I enjoy it more than Evil versus Zack? And the answer is no. So there we go. I have two evil matches in my top ten. <laughs> you, you're not getting a ballot next year. You know that. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, let's get into the show then. We have a tweet from one of our listeners, Damon, oh. one of our, our big fans. We still and, have one? Uh, they say, I love the Super J cast, but not enough NJPW strong coverage for me. Can you guess who that was, Damon? Uh oh. Would that be uh, Rocky Romero? 
It would be Rocky Romero. Really? So we're going to get an extra big serving of strong this week. Because honestly, we talked about this off the air. I think it deserves it this week. You've watched it as well. So let's get into it then. Let's um, get into it. Let's get into it as I <laughs> bring up the results here. Because there are only three matches. I, again, it's always an easy watch. Always enjoyable for me. Um, so this was... Friday, January 22nd, so we started off with uh, the Regal Twins, Logan and Sterling Regal, defeating Kevin Knight and Jordan Clearwater, and I, I'm so sorry about this, but Jordan Clearwater really, he looks like a tall, skinny, young Donald Trump, and I <laughs> did find that really distracting, like the hair and the face, so I had to sort of compartmentalise that, but uh, his partner, Kevin Knight, the new young lion, he looks, just looks like a natural to me, Damon, he's adding th- those little touches that show he's got that edge, that attitude, you know, the, like the little glance at Clearwater when he tagged him in on the back, um, the, the tape fist, the plaster on the eyebrow makes him look like he's been in his fair share of scraps. And I'm a fan of the Regal Twins as well. I always like tag teams like that have got twins. clear yeah. synergy, you know, the matching gear, obvious coherent strategy, being twins, you know, ticks all those boxes. It, it's, it's, I thought it was a good match. Good match. Yeah, I, I like them. I like them both. Um, the Real Twins, there is something about a and and they're twins, so it would make sense. Like synergy between partners in a in, in a tag team. Like, and I think a lot of times that's missing in modern day pro wrestling. Like, I like tag teams to be tag teams. Um, it, it, you know what? Not to I'm not to, not to ride the fence here, but I I like that. Like tag teams be tag teams, but there is something to be said about the fire pro wrestling. To pick two guys' names out of a hat, and uh, you know you're you're now a tag team. Um, anywho, uh, you know who I really like though, Kevin Knight. I I think I watch every show that I've watched, and, and again, I'm the guilty party here because Joel is the the resident New Japan strong aficionado. But every time I pop in, and I tell you this too. These are good shows. These are good shows. And so why so why what is it what's missing for me? Why am I not hopping in every every week? Because these it, good shows. And it's just like I think it's just the fact that I know that some of a lot of these guys, I'll go so far as to say a lot of these guys probably aren't going to be main roster guys, so it's hard for me to sink my teeth into. And if I could just separate that and just say, like, I'll be truthful. If this wasn't a New Japan Pro Wrestling, if it didn't have New Japan Pro Wrestling label on it, Joel, I would probably watch it more often. But I know that, and then this is not, I don't want to say anything disrespectful. This That's the last thing I'd want to do here on this podcast. But it, it feels like it's a B show. Okay? Um, it's... You know, it's not the it's not the main show, so it's sometimes hard to find the motivation to sit down and watch. But every time I do, I enjoy. So I guess I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Anywho, Kevin Knight, uh, I every time I see him, I'm thoroughly impressed. Regal Twins, every time I see them, and it's and I and I. And I Every time I see them, they 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 lose, but they won here. Um, and then, what do you think of Jordan Clearwater? 
Yeah. Haven't. He hasn't really left an impression on me. Okay. He's just he's got that sort of awkward body shape where he's tall but kind of lanky as well. So not sort of physically imposing in his physique and also the way he works. I think he's sort of got got to grow into that. To me, Kevin Knight. Uh, I, if if I could handpick one of those guys, Kevin Knight for me, I I I do enjoy, I do enjoy. And 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 here's another thing too. I love the fact that these matches are five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. They don't leave you like you're not looking at your phone. You're not. You're not. These are quick hits. Um, I would. You know what this this show is missing? Fans. I think fans in front of this product would would take it to the next level, right? Like a nice, small, intimate, noisy pack of animals <laughs> in in an arena with with these guys working their asses off in many cases for jobs. I think it would be fucking. I think it. I think it would take the show to the next level. I really do. All right. So I. I did enjoy Kevin Knight. I did enjoy Regal Twins. I like Jordan Clearwater. I didn't. I, I'm. We're not hating on him, but yeah. Um, I think those three are the standouts. I think also what Strong is missing up to this point is a standout match. Like if someone were to say to me, Joel, you've watched all of New Japan Strong. What is the best match on Strong, and is it must see? You know, there's nothing that's hitting your notebook. There's nothing that's in match of the year caliber level. So that I think is a next step for New Japan Strong. Uh, yeah. We may get it. We may get it in time, but uh, we'll we'll see. Um, Vase Collector says, "Does Brody King versus JR Kratos deserve a shout out? Nothing out of this world, but felt like a solid hoss fight in the Big Japan or All Japan model." And yeah, so uh, let's move on to the the New Japan Strong division. Uh, some <laughs> again, I'm really sorry about this, but I just I got some great. Uh, BDSM vibes from this the whole match, the whole aesthetic. We, you know, Brody King's balaclava. We got Jared Kratos's shiny latex gear. It's good facial hair. Both guys. It was like two bears just getting down to business. <laughs> it was hairy. It was sweaty. There was very strong fuck energy here. Right. And I'm here for it. I'm not mucking around. Like all those things are positives for me. Just it had that that aura about it had that energy and I just I really enjoyed it I, and again I appreciate how Strong can put on a, a three match show like this and give you something different in each match so I think all the three matches were very distinct and this was you know, exactly what I said on the tin just two beefy boys doing beefy things yeah I, that, that I'm glad you brought that up because that's ex- not the the, the, the the sexual stuff <laughs> What can I say? I'm a very horny man. (laughs) That's fine. That's good. I like that. I like like that. Uh, Everything was different, right? Everything felt like like it had that side. And I hope they continue with that because I think it's important. Um, So if you were going to rank New Japan Strong and, and a pecking order, where do you put J.R. Kratos? Is he a upper mid-carder? Is he a mid-carder? Do, do we, are we doing anything with him? Or is he sticking around? Where do you see him fitting in? 
He wouldn't be someone that I'm saying, you know, I want to see this guy in a G1 climax or, you know, I want to see this guy fighting in Japan. I don't think he's at that level. I think there are other people in a similar mould who I would have above him. You know, even within this match, I think I I prefer Brody King over him. There's obviously Chris Dickinson waiting in the wings um, and even, you know, the people they do have, the likes of Jeff Cobb, fulfill a lot of that. that. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm kind of in the same same boat. Um, I'll be I'll be truthful. The first time I saw him, I was hand waving him. Like I was just like I don't, I don't I'm not feeling this. But every time that I do see him, like he was in that tag match earlier, um, a, a week or two ago that I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed this match. So it's not like um. I just don't know where he would fit in, in in the promotion. Like I don't I like if there was a, a like if there was an injury or a spot or a a hole to be filled. I would probably take Brody King first. But I would I would look I I mean I, I would not eat just dismiss it. Let's put it that way. But that's that's the chance. Like, where would you, where would he fit in? Aside from, let's put him in World Tag League, right? Let's give him a tour there. I mean, look at all the, <laughs> I mean, some of the people they've brought over <laughs> for World Tag League. I mean, he could fit in just, you know, he, he he's light years ahead of some of those people. Um, but I just don't know where you put him. I don't know where he fits in. Um, that's that's my biggest challenge. Uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's bad. I just I think he's good. I just don't know where he fits. All right, and let's move on to the main event, which was Renarita defeating Bateman in uh, forty minutes fifty three seconds with a Texas Cloverleaf. So this was my first time seeing Bateman. I really like the presentation of him, like the the vaudeville psychopath aesthetic. He got the interview with Kevin Kelly last week, so I was actually really surprised that Renarita got the win. And you, you know, I applaud that. This is what this show should be for it's giving that shine to guys who you know are going to be back in Japan and, and a big part of the company's future and I, I feel they didn't really do that with Carl Fredericks I thought Strong was going to be the Carl Fredericks show it didn't turn out to be that way they've done it to some extent with Clark Connors and there is the opportunity to do it here with Ren Narita and it's off to a good start because uh, he's not a young lion anymore apparently um, maybe needs to change up his presentation a bit but in terms of the match, really good job by both guys here. I thought Bateman did a, a tremendous job putting over Narita for the, the surprise upset. I would like to see more of him. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like in the way that they present that. And you're right. With Carl Fredericks, it was um, it kind of felt like it, a show was going to be built around him. And I don't know. If that might be difficult to do, given you don't even know... Yeah, you know, I guess they do what three or four weeks of tapings at a time. Um, it's it's hard to do to, to kind of keep that momentum going from a booking perspective of who's coming in, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. Um, COVID protocol, right? What happened? I mean, what happens if if one of these guys catches the virus uh, and they got three three weeks of TV tapings? That they're doing, and and they're off. They're off tapings uh, for that time. Now, could you could you do an at home interview just to keep him 
front and center? You could. Now, and again, just to be clear, I'm not saying Carl Fredericks has COVID-19. I am not saying he has it. But I'm just saying, he's, you know, for whatever reason, it's, it, it's, it's difficult to do if something like that were to happen. Right? Um, this should be a showcase for young Lions, guys that you know are eventually going to get a substantial push to be put over um, and to kind of get people warmed up to the fact that when, when they come back, they're going to be stars. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem with, with the, the result. I was actually a little bit surprised given what we saw um, with a Kevin Kelly interview to kind of, I don't know, give him a little, little hype going into this match. But, yeah, yeah. I was, so, I was shocked and pleased at the same time. Shocked and pleased at the same time. And to boot, I thought the match was pretty good as hell. Right? Pretty good as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Renarita for a bit. Dan says, you guys may have noticed last night as strong that Kevin mentioned Renarita is no longer a young lion. I don't know if it's just me, but does it seem like young lions are being rushed to graduate for the uh, from the typical excursion nowadays? I feel like Narita and Fredericks were both fast-tracked when compared to the excursions of Yosho, Jay White, Hiromu, etc. I just feel the whole excursion experience isn't being gained like it previously was. And Vase Collector says, when was... Uh, well, yeah, okay. Well, let, let's let's deal with that then. I mean... We are in uh, uncertain times, Damon, mm. and you can't rely on the, the full excursion experience like you could in the good old days. So I think I would be doing exactly the same thing. I can't fault the way that they've handled it. Uh, it's There's uh, no guarantee that they could go off to other places and be able to have that full experience and build up their characters and, and their movesets and everything. So I think they're just trying to make lemonade out of lemons. Right. If, it's, if it's for me, I'm not here, by the way. <laughs> I hear the ringing. Get it? <laughs> Come on. That was a good one. It was good. I, I was laughing, but I've muted myself because I, I didn't want the listeners to hear more phone ringing, but there I, it is, so I'm, I'm going to go and answer the phone now. I go to the phone. I'll, I'll, <laughs> you you I'll talk, talk to me about, about excursions. Well, again, for the excursion, it's, it's where, where they're going to go. Um, could they go to a handful of Rev Pro shows? Sure, I guess. You know, they're, they're, that are empty, empty arena that they tape for broadcast. Uh, could they do the same thing for Ring of Honor? I, I, I guess, sure. Um, if there is a, you know, relationship that is to be had, could they, you know, do other independent? I don't know. Traveling is very difficult at this point. Um, within the United States, it, it probably is much easier, but to go to England or to go to Ireland or to go to Germany or to go to where Mexico, it might be a little bit difficult. So, uh, fast tracked. Uh, I don't know if it's intentional, but given the circumstances that we're in, we might see that. And and here's the thing too. Again, the, the commentate the commentary was no longer a young lion. You're no longer a young lion when you show up at a a a show, right? Uh, with I don't necessarily you don't need necessarily have a new gimmick. You know that, that that's not a requirement. But um, appearing just on strong doesn't necessarily mean that you're no longer a a uh, young lion. At least in public perception eyes. 
can they can beat you over the head with it and say you're the, he's no longer a young lion. Okay, and, and, until you do something in a in a uh, major ring, to me, it's it's kind of hard to lose that young lion luster. <sighs> All right, that's my uh, that's my take there. Uh, I'm back. I'm here. Oh, okay. Who was at the door? Anybody important? Or uh, yeah, it's just every time we order something like food or shopping or whatever, the reception always phone and say your food is here. Would you like it to be sent out to the room? And every single time, I'm like yes, bring it up. You don't need to phone next time. It's right. fine. We want we want the food in our room. I'm not right. coming down to the fucking reception to get it. But right. every time they still phone, and it does my head in. Uh, they're just trying to be nice and polite, you know. But yes, you've told them numerous times. It's the same result. But here's the thing. There's going to be one time uh, where you and the missus are like fucking in the living room, right? At, <laughs> right? And that, that thing's going to I'll, I'll be done by the time they make it up to the, the 20th floor. So <laughs> really? no okay. problem there. Yeah. No problem. You're in. You're, you're, pants, the pants will be back on by that point. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. There's going to be one time where, the, where you're going to be like, oh, we ordered those crepes. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I'm and I'm and I'm losing my uh, I'm losing my uh, oh boy just stop it Damon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, base collector says when was the last time a young lion won his first match on excursion? It was uh, Tomiyuki Oka when he did his Okan gimmick when he appeared at those Rev Pro shows in the yeah. summer of 2018. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean overall, I do really think that strong is improving. It seems to be a, a, a more cohesive series now than just like a bunch of guys spinning their wheels waiting to come back to Japan. So, yeah. um, in summary, good matches. Yeah. Listen, I, I think the I big takeaway is, is Rocky right Romero listening and uh, wanting more strong coverage. I think that's the, you know... Well, it's a big show next week, Damon. Next week, there's Clark Connors versus the DKC, who, of course, is the newest recruit to the LA Dojo. Second match is Rocky Romero versus Chris Dickinson, and I, I can't Good. wait for that one. And then third match, Leo Rush is back. Leo Rush, TJP, and Fred Rosser against Hikuleo El Fantasmo and Kenta. So, Ooh. yeah, all eyes for me on that Rocky against Chris Dickinson match. And I just want to talk about this interview I was listening to this afternoon uh, via WrestleIn. You can find them at WrestleIn on Twitter. So there was a, an interview Kieran did with uh, a friend of the show, Kieran, who did with Chris Dickinson. And I swear, like, Kieran asked him about three questions. And Chris goes on for like 45 minutes. He, he, he is literally babbling with excitement like like a child about the oh. possibility of making it to Japan and you know Kieran asks him which guys would you like to face and it's not, he's not just sort of you know trawling off the I'd like to face Okada or Tanahashi I mean he, he gives a laundry list of names but he names Yotosuji as well as a guy he'd like to face which you know just shows that he's plugged into the product and he's right. a, a keen viewer you know he knows he, even the young lines and which young lions stylistically are going to have a good match with him? Uh, he, he knows his history. He's talking about UWF and he, he, how he is a big fan of people like Takada, Maeda, Fujiwara, people like that. So you know, I know we've talked about it before, and I, I don't want to sort of keep banging on the, the the same drum. But the more I listen to him, the more I'm just rooting for this guy to to get that call and make it over to Japan eventually because he he wants it so badly. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a big difference between, I'll, I'll call it the Lex Lugerism of pro wrestling or the Sid Vicious of pro wrestling, where guys are big, strong, they feel like they can make a couple bucks, and you know they're not really fans of the business getting into it, and they just kind of land in it. 
as opposed to Chris, who, you know, he's he's at these, you know, Jersey All Pro, you know, shows that that were co-promoted with New Japan back in the early two thousands. I was there as well. Uh, we took remarkably different paths, though. <laughs> I will say that. Um, yeah, you know, he's talking about how you know he's there, and he just wanted to fucking get it, get it, get a fingertip on Liger as he's going down the aisle. I'm the same way, dude. Uh, so, I feel that you like you and I could have a really fun night out with Chris Dickinson if we went for yes. a few beers together. We'd have an amazing time. Yes, I would agree with that as well. I would agree with so that so that is our our sly way of not. Doing an invite, but doing an invite, Chris. Just FYI, slide into the DMs. That's that's how we do it here. Okay. Um, yeah. And like again, there is something to be said about someone who is a fan of the product, knows the product, understands the product, history of the product, uh, and not just walking in and and saying I'm a pro wrestler now, and uh, you know it's always been my dream. Uh, has it? Okay. Um, I, I like that. I like I like the fact that that at the end of the day, like I have more respect for pro wrestlers who are fans of pro wrestling than I do of pro wrestlers who are in it to make a buck. And I know that that's that might be a weird thing for pro wrestlers to hear. Like pro wrestlers are almost kind of. I, I, I don't want to say brainwashed into thinking that you can't be a fan, that somehow being a fan is you're a mark. I hate, I, 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 it took every ounce of me to not say that, but you know, but you know what I mean? Like you being a fan of Bruiser Brody or you being a fan of, uh, I don't, I'm just rattling off, uh, uh, fuck the Road Warriors, or you being a fan of Tully Blanchard, somehow makes now that you're in the business makes you less of like I don't I, that's weird to me. I never understood that. Um, I appreciate a pro wrestler who understands history because here's the thing: I think you can lean on that for. Your character and who you are and who, how you want to be viewed as a pro wrestler. Like, I think you can lean on that heavily. Uh, having that in your back pocket, knowing the history, being able to, to, to reference things in interviews. And, and not for nothing, it does get fans of the product more interested in learning about you. I mean, look at us. I'm excited to see this, and I know the back history of of of, of his his pro wrestling, and I think it's fantastic. I think he's a fantastic fit, but I like it even more because just knowing the guy really wants it because he really wants it, not because he want. I mean, listen, everybody wants the 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 big paychecks and the bigger paychecks and the bigger spotlight. Everybody wants that if you're in pro wrestling. That's why you're in it. But to also have the fact that ooh. I remember sitting in my bedroom watching fucking DVDs and seeing this exact building and seeing this ring and working with these people. Yeah, that that 
that gives me an extra, ooh, I, now I really want to follow this dude. And, and not only follow this dude, I want to see them succeed. Like, that means more to me than some fucking guy who just gets into it and thinks it's a joke or thinks it's, uh, you know, just a quick way to make a couple bucks. or Like, to me, uh, the, the guys that, that have that passion for it, uh, I'm, I'm into. And again, that's not to say, here's a perfect example, uh, Joel. A guy like Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly had an a, a understanding of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, but, you know, to say that he, you know, while he was working for Vince, he was knee-deep in, in Ricky Choshu matches, I think that would be probably a stretch, right? While he's, while he's taking care of uh, uh, wrestlers bringing guns into a house, right, um, and, 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 and getting involved in those angles, I doubt the last, you know, I'm going to say the last thing on his mind was Akira Maeda. That being said, though, he he knew he needed to step up his game. And he did, right? And he became a fan of the product. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I appreciate that just as much. But there is something about being a fan, loving the product, working hard, working your ass off, getting to a certain point, and now being on the cusp of seeing that dream come true. That's... That's that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, I absolutely agree with with all of that. Um, let's move on to Road to the New Beginning then. So we have the the New Beginning in Nagoya on Saturday. So we'll I think we'd better to discuss the feuds as a whole rather than doing reviews of all the Road Two shows and then previews and predictions. Um, Thank but God. just <laughs> uh, just big picture thoughts. I think they're making smart use of the limited roster and, and they're leaning on the dads. You know, the likes of Ghetto, Jado. Dick Togo, Kojima, Tenzan, Honma. Uh, and as you said last week, the the lack of Fantastic and Mania does mean the pacing feels a bit off. Some of these feuds are, are dragging or you know don't quite have that spice. But I do think they're being quite creative in the way that they're using wrestlers who normally wouldn't get a look in. Yeah. And they're, and they're guys that are in there that have been there before. So they know just the, the right amount of level they need to perform at, right, uh, to make these things watchable. I'll tell you one of the matches that I did enjoy, and, and I can't believe that I did, um, giving, given the participants, was the return of uh, Jado and uh, Gato as a tag team. It was nonsense, but it was good. I thought that was a very good opening match. I had no problem with that. I really did enjoy it. I think Tenzan and Kojima uh, against the Empire, I thoroughly enjoyed. There's, there is something where you're rooting for the old guy to get his, to get his revenge. Um, you're rooting for a legend, two legends, to get their revenge over the, this young, brash faction. That's that's something that's completely enjoyable for for a pro wrestling fan. Uh, the fact that Tenzan fucking <laughs> look, I think we all can agree. The great Okan is going to not only beat Tenzan, but there probably will be something a little extra thrown in for good measure. 
right? All right, right. Agreeing... hold that thought, Demi. You're, you're okay. jumping ahead there because I, okay. I, I, okay. I do want to get onto that because that is one of the, I think, the highlights of this tour so far. But yeah, it was interesting that you did mention that the uh, Bullet Club versus Suzuki match and the fact that Doki managed to pick up a win in part of this feud as well. And uh, Booze, Booze Leprechaun said, anyone else part for Kevin talking about Gino not having the rights to make a Doki Choki shirt? And I, I I heard that and that was good. That did make me laugh. And I thought Doki, Suzuki, that's a, a fun babyface tag team actually. Like the, the dynamics of it was, were good. Having uh, just the fluidity of Suzuki to basically do the same stuff each night, but adjust it very slightly in layout and pacing to be the heels or the faces, depending on who they're matched up against, whether it's a Hontai team or, or a Bullet Club team. So I just think that that has been one of the low-key highlights for me, seeing that sort of fluidity to it. Uh, Jado and his amazing backstage promos where he just stands there and says, Oi, Doki, for three minutes. Um, he is just absolutely jacked at the moment. I don't know if he, he knew he was going to be required to do some more wrestling and just has been absolutely pounding it at the gym. Um, and Gedo as well, looking very sad. He's not wearing his Jay White shirt anymore. Uh, yeah. So that is something to, to keep an eye on as well, just little touches. You know, last time, uh, you remember when he was still with Okada and then there was that that little press release or so, whatever it was saying that Gedo's not going to be coming out with Okada anymore. And everyone's yep. like, huh? Huh? Okay. And it kind of flew under the radar, but it ended up being big. So, you know, you've got to keep your eye on this one. Ghetto uh, is definitely laying some groundwork there for something coming up down the line. And just a little thing that I thought was funny was that El Fantasma going on commentary before, uh, well, in the middle of one of their Korako and Hall matches, uh, before the match had even finished. And then uh, I think Ghetto got tapped out and <laughs> El Fantasma was like, oh shit, <laughs> trying to run in and make the save, but it's too late. So uh, that made me laugh. Um, I mean, let's talk about that, the, the junior tag title match. It was um, El Fantasma and Ishimori defeating Kanemaru and Desperado, becoming the new junior tag team champions. And, and yeah. we called it last week. For a variety of reasons, it keeps a few going. It gives some more shine to ELP. And what I thought was the most interesting thing was the the positioning of Kanemaru here, who I wasn't expecting to be the fiery underdog babyface in peril, but it was done in, in such a, a fun and unique way with him and ELP trying to out shithouse each other in every way imaginable. So it was it was like a, a battle of wits as much as a wrestling match. And yeah, I enjoyed the uniqueness of that. You know, I don't need every main event to be cool flips or, or big guys beating the crap out of each other I, I like this one a lot and I'm a big fan of the, the Bullet Club Suzuki feud in, feud in general um, and I, I enjoy Fanny in tag matches and I enjoyed his promo afterwards as well when he I don't know if you saw it when he was starting to quote the, the four pillars and he goes uh, Misawa Kawada and then he pauses for a bit I don't know if it's like he's either forgotten who the other two are or he's thinking, shit, I just mentioned two All Japan guys. Maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> and then he goes, Kenta. And you're thinking, is he going to say Kenta Kobashi? And then Ishimori, Ishimori's face, he's like looking a bit nonplussed as well. And then he's a Shibata. <laughs> and that was hilarious. And then the, the, I can't remember who it was. I, I should give credit, but I, I've forgotten who tweeted it. But someone did a hilarious tweet reply saying Misawa Kawada Kenta Shibata let's call the whole thing off <laughs> yeah confirmed listener ELP right is that <laughs> um, another fan of the show Just the Bullet Club love us what can I say I, I know well we go to all their events that's why but, well, actually well, we only went to one um, the uh, see, this is why your matches of the year wind up 
out of the top 100, Joel. <laughs> um, look, this this is this match isn't for everyone. Let's let's put a disclaimer out. If if you're you you enjoy the uh, chicanery and the uh, hijinks of again, let's let's get a Bullet Club tag team. Let's get a Suzuki Goon tag team. Both of which are notorious shit stirrers, heels, rule breakers, uh, and put them in a ring for the titles. Uh, take a guess and give them some time to create their magic and weave and weave an interesting pro wrestling match. Take a, take a stab, take a guess where this might go, where how this match might be structured, and then amplify it. By 720. Uh, Joel, I lost count how many refs we lost in this match. I lost count how many dick shots we got. I lost count how many uh, foreign objects we uh, saw. It was um, a rule breaker's delight, shall we say. And uh, again, if you are not a fan of, as we like to say here, the bullshit this here's the thing you might you might actually get enjoyment out of this match if you were not a fan of the bullshit because there's so much bullshit that it almost becomes laughable it almost becomes comical a farce if you will um it was a lot and if you like the bullshit boy you got it in spades you fucking just cup runneth over with bullshit did i like the match Kind of did. Kind of did. I guess, I guess right in this, the usual spots where you're usually like, all right, enough of this fucking horse shit. They, they take it to another level, and then it becomes comical. Then it just becomes, all right, fucking everybody, everybody go down. Let's get another ref. Let's see who's in the back. Is, is Mike Keener available? Is Mike Keener here? Maybe you can get out there and ref. Um, and yes, as predicted, new junior tag team champions. Um, and that's weird because not weird, but it's it's weird in the sense that there really isn't a lot of options right now where these tag belts can go um, if they decided to have ELP and and uh, Ishimori lose. Then it's like, okay, then what? Now, now what do we do? Because um, it looks like everybody has programs that they're already tied up in. So, uh, yep, the normal rematch clause i'm sure will be invoked and we'll have uh, a little bit more fun i'm sure i'm sure more shenanigans with the two heel tag teams so let me give the twitter credit it was neil at ntj mcnummy who gave that hilarious song uh louis says with suzuki you're no longer holding tag team gold can we expect an el desperado singles run this year especially after his great best of the super juniors run last year i don't think the two are mutually exclusive i think um you can very much have someone making a singles run in the junior division whilst also being a tag champion at the same time. I do think this is going to be a temporary thing. I think Suzuki will win back the titles sooner rather than later, but I don't think that precludes Despy from having a singles run later in the year. Yeah, I think... I think by the end of the year, Despy will be challenging for a, a junior championship. Why not? 
You know, I think he. I don't want to say deserves that. I hate when nobody deserves anything. But yeah, I mean, why not pencil it in? Um, you can, you can, you can build them to to well, look. Uh, if they did, and why wouldn't they? A best of the Super Junior. Um, I mean, he made it to the finals last year. I wouldn't have a problem with the dude winning it. I would not have a problem with the dude winning it. Um, and why not go to that well again? I thought that match was fantastic. One of, one of my top matches of the year. Um, we, we can go back there again and, and, and revisit that. Why not? Sure. So, yes, I'll say... Uh, not only will I sit, not only will I stick my neck out and say we'll see him challenging again. How about this, Joel Abraham? How about a how about a win? How about a little gold around El Desperado's waist? Wouldn't that be nice? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates. It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card-collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
I love it. That would be wonderful. Um, okay, well, let's talk about some of the matches that are coming up at this new beginning in Nagoya show and discuss the feuds that have precipitated them. So the first match in Nagoya is going to be Yano and Okada versus Yujiro and Evil. So we've seen this sort of mini Chaos Bullet Club feud. Maybe we might get a new KOPW challenger for Yano here. And I guess the big question is, when are we going to see Okada versus Evil? And is the winner the de facto number one contender for the double, ti- double titles? So... Yeah, what are your thoughts on Evil and Okada? Um, they've had good matches. Have they had great matches? Would you put any of the Okada? I mean, you know, Okada at his peak run. Were any of those great? I think the, the 2017 G1 match and the 2019 G1 matches were very, very good. I don't know if I'd say great. The the King of Pro Wrestling 2017 and the... That was good, not great, because the result was a foregone conclusion. And I thought their match in the New Japan Cup final last year was disappointing. What year was it where Evil beat Okada in G1? 2017. 2017. That was a good match. That finish was pretty great. That crowd went nuts. Uh, I'd like to hope that this match would be fantastic. I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know where we're going to land with modern day evil. That that worries me a little bit. Do you think we're likely to see a castle attack, or do you think it might be first round New Japan Cup territory? That's that's a pretty big name that's going to be leaving New Japan Cup first round. That would have to be later rounds, right? Yeah, and it would it would mean stretching this feud out to unbearably right. long. Yeah. No, I, I think I think Castle Attack, Castle Attack. Boy, boy, Castle Attack is what we're calling this one. <laughs> oh, right. one little thing as well. I I think speaking of Castle, they they should be doing more with the never six man belts, especially with yes. all these Korakuen shows. Like, why are we not getting any defenses? We we could have squeezed in at least two by now. That's that's a disappointment. I don't know. As maybe they're giving the tour off for Yoshihashi. Maybe he's taking a break. But um, yeah, that's that's a shame. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing. We're seeing a two hundred and seventy five multi man tag matches anyway. We can't put the fucking titles that represent multi-man tags on the line once or twice. The fuck? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I can't. I mean, maybe they don't want people to. I don't to take a pinfall. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, seriously, you can't fucking stick to Gucci and whoever in there. Just as a just as a simple dopey title defense. Come on, the fuck. Taguchi's been given the tour off as well I I think they've just given time off to a lot of people so maybe for some reason they've obviously made the decision that Yoshihashi is not going to be taking part in this tour for whatever reason and it's a shame I'm sad, I miss Yoshihashi, I can't believe I'm going to say that right, but what is he doing? what has he got, a second job? I can't make it (laughs) gotta work at Best Buy what? (laughs) you know what I mean? yeah, I I got a night gig I, I needed to pick up some extra money. So I'm working at Lawson's. Yeah, I stock shelves. Yoshi, how do you shut? Yeah, you'd have never. Yeah, I know. Well, I got to make ends meet. Tough times are tough. Would you, would you like a would you like a pastry wrapped strawberry? <laughs> a strong zero? 
Our second match in the Nagoya is an eight-man tag match. We got Master Watto, Sho, Honma, and Ibushi versus Bushi, Hiromu, Naito, and Sanada. So, there's a lot to unpack here. We had a, a very good main event in Korakuen Hall, a time limit draw on Monday night between uh, four of these men. It was uh, Ibushi and Sho against Hiromu and Sanada. And I enjoyed that one a lot. Very good match. Not a great match, but very good match. And I do like that they're showing a bit of variety in the booking patterns there. Uh, Louis said the main event, six-man... Oh, was it six-man tag team match? Oh, yeah, it was. It had Shingo and Tanahashi in it as well. Uh, ended in a time limit draw. Can Damon remember the last match uh, The last match that ended in a time limit draw? I mean, there. I don't know if you're specifically talking about main events because there have been a lot of young line matches long line time yeah. limit draws. But, uh, you know, was Kenny Okada went to a time limit draw. Suzuki Okada in a G1 Tanahashi. Yeah, Tanahashi Okada in the yeah. 2018 G1. So, yeah, there have been a few of them, but they use them quite sparingly. Um, so, I'm just sort of trying to unpick the feuds that make up this eight-man tag match. So, we've got Watto and Bushi. And, of course, we'll, we'll preview that when it comes up to, to those shows in Hiroshima. Uh, but we saw Bushi going after Watto's right leg. Uh, Watto doing a bit of air guitar or air ukulele, as ELP said, uh, when he was on the, the winning side for one of these Korokan shows. I think he, he's... He lo- he looks like he's improving to me. I mean, yeah. again, it's not any enormous strides. I'm not thinking, wow, this guy's now suddenly a world beater. But I think him getting those minutes in these main events is is paying dividends. I've just noticing a bit more confidence, a bit more crispness in the execution. Um, show was, and I'm sorry, oh yeah, go ahead. Off, sorry, but um, the idea of every babyface in that fucking promotion is trying to give him the rub. Is that amazing? From Tenzan all the way up to Tanahashi. And everyone in between, uh, just trying to give that poor guy the 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 the, the credibility rub. And <laughs> right, maybe maybe it's happening, maybe it's not. But um, yeah, he's the king of these fucking lower card feuds. Doki, Bushi, anybody, anything, anything, anything ending in an E. <laughs> Kanemaru had one with Kanemaru at Summer Struggle, didn't he? Right. Like, like he's the king of these lower tiered junior feuds. That uh, does any? Uh, I mean, seriously. Well, no, I, you know, I think that's something that I have bemoaned in recent years: the fact that below the junior heavyweight title itself, we don't get any or many junior singles feuds. So yeah, this is I applaud the fact that they. <laughs> Not a fan, then. No. I mean, seriously, are you going to be sitting there on the edge of your fucking chair for Master? Yeah, I am. I'll tell you, right, again, we're jumping ahead because this is something we'll preview when when we get, you know, a couple of weeks down the line when we're talking about the, uh, I think it's Hiroshima show anyway, but the winner of this Bushiwato match is presumably going to be next in line for a junior heavyweight title match. And I think that is significant. So whilst I'm not thrilled at the the prospects of the quality of the match, I think the outcome of the match will be significant. So it'll be interesting to, to sort of keep an eye on this one to see. Imagine, uh, imagine that being the claim to your, ti- your, your, your challenge to the title. Well, I beat Bushi. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Bushi wins. You never know. We might be getting Bushi versus oh. Hiromu or Bushi versus Show. So Great. anything can happen in, in <laughs> the fan document. Um, okay, another part of this match is Sho and Hiromu, who their feud's ongoing again. This, it hasn't really heated up yet because they've still got a week or two left before their singles match. And 
in the backstage stuff, Hiromi's been saying he wants to have a chat about the future of the division with Show. And Show wants to have Hiromi on his podcast, but he said he's not going to get paid for it. So it just it just feels a bit way. weird, a, a bit off at the moment. They haven't quite got into the higher gears for their feuds. And the same could be said for Ibushi and Sanada. And our Voices of Wrestling... Uh, colleague and friend Jay Michael summed it up perfectly. He says, uh, and I quote, literally two dudes discussing with fully respectful sincerity what it means to challenge for a championship and the difference between the numbers one and two. That's the story and Sanada is still confused. So <laughs> there's not really that much to get y- y- your teeth into in, in a dramatic sense with uh, Ibushi and Sanada. And again, that will hopefully heat up a bit more when their match comes around the corner uh, I mean the, their G1 final did very poorly in the match of the year vote so I understand why people are, are apprehensive about this one but it's still got time to build you're, you're more optimistic than I am the minute the minute he walked out there Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> fucking who gives a shit about Sonata but many people do Many, many people do. So, what is what does old Uncle Damon know? All right, how about this? Oh, sorry, you, did you have more to say on this? No, just a lot. I just want to pump my chest, make myself feel a little better. Thank you. <laughs> well, another part of this uh, tag match is the mini feud going on between Honma and Naito, because mm. in a big surprise, Honma was the winner of that elimination tag match at the weekend. And there have been parts where I've watched him in these tag matches and think, oh, he's, he's looking a bit better here. But then it all comes crashing down and I think, no, these, he stinks. He wrestles like a Kukeshi doll. Um, the, the finish to the, the most recent match at Korokan was really bad. Like he, uh, Naito did an Enzui Giri on him and he just completely no-sold it. And then the, the jackknife pin just looks horrible. His shoulders were off the mat and he's just just not mobile at, at all at the moment it made me wonder one why has he been sort of put in this spot is this going to lead to a, a singles match with Naito I mean I hope not but maybe silver lining it could be a path to a possible retirement because I know there's that connection between the two they both trained under uh, animal Hamaguchi so possibly that could be something in the future I mean the one funny bit of that match was Naito getting like a 50 count Naito was just being an absolute prick like even more uh, heelish and I think him not being champion has allowed him to be himself be more El Ingobernaba rather than the underdog babyface champion so um, I find Naito more interesting when he's being a, a dickhead to people personally and Honma did acknowledge that he's at the back of the line behind Suji and Okan when it comes to uh, potential challenges for Honma um, Mikey says Honma Naito cartwheel deathmatch um, what, what like where is this going? Do you think this has just been like a filler mini feud for these Road 2 shows, or do you think it is leading up to a singles match between the two? I think it's filler. Um, now, here's the thing. Could could they plop this match in on a and, and headline a, a Corkin show? Maybe. Possibly. I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But it is weird, isn't it? Like when he got that win, whew, I was like, "What are they thinking? <laughs> like, what are they? What are they? What are they thinking?" I mean, it was a if if they just paused it right right then and there and said, "Okay, he got a fluky win," and you know, and, and again, like like Kevin Kelly said, 
If that's why we play the game. And he, he's, tr- you know, he's, he's doing his best to make it a sports analogy of, yeah, any, and on any given night, somebody can pull out the fucking upset and here's, here's what we got. And, and, and it does keep you a little bit on your toes in the sense of, okay, we're going to sit through countless multi-man tags on these shows. Let's give the people a little something to wake them up, keep them guessing. You know, keep them on their toes. Uh, that I like. I love it. But the idea of a, even a mini Naito Honma feud program, that's, that's, that. I'll tell you what, what that is, is that you have a ton of confidence that these guys could pull it off. And I, I, I wish I could say the same. I don't have any confidence. I mean, they can they can work a match and keep it short, and go balls to the wall for three five minutes, but that's typically not a New Japan booking style. That's for sure. Um, it feels to me it's filler. It feels to me that that we're going to give Honma um, a little a little spotlight for a guy who's again I don't want to say deserves it, but here's a you know they're gonna they're gonna give him a little a little piece of cake. For all the hard work that he's put in throughout the years, and I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I do question the idea of a singles match going longer than three to five minutes, and and why wouldn't you at this point? It does feel like that's exactly where they're going, Joel. Right? Uh, Samuel says I may be the only one enjoying the Naito Honda feuds. Morbid Curiosity makes Honma an undercard favorite. Have you got a favorite or top three Honma singles matches? And yeah. uh, Twitter user Caesar DePleaser suggested the G1 Climax 24 match with Shibata, which I went and watched. It's only like 11 minutes long. Oh, Esther wants to join the party. Okay, come here, darling. Right. Come here. All right. Um, yeah, so I watched that match, that G1 match, and it's only 11 minutes long, and it's amazing. It's so good, Damon, and it also made me very, very depressed. Not only because... You know, we're not going to get that Homer ever again, but also for losing Shibata as a wrestler and also a a raucous, red-hot Osaka crowd. And it just watching that, whilst I loved it, it also made me very, very sad. Have you got any favourite Honma matches that spring to mind? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I do. Uh, and I'd love to tell the story because I was there. I was in the house for the Cork and Hall G1 where Honma who went over, uh, finally picked up a big win over Ishii, Tomohiro Ishii, at Corkin. Uh, and the and Corkin was rocking, rocking. Uh, that might be my favorite home singles match. Um, and it's funny because when I was leaving, I had to take the train on uh, the Yamote line uh, back to the hotel. And as I was on the platform, he was standing there. He was standing there with the and, and like I didn't want to bother him. Like I didn't want to like go up to him because he was talking to a couple people for some friends. Uh, it felt like so I didn't want to bother him. But uh, yeah, he was. Ta- he took the same train home as I did, which I thought oh, was. You could have got, got an audio stinger for the podcast. <laughs> I remember once I went to uh, the first time I went to Japan. I went to Fukuoka for uh, Dontaku. And uh, he was signing autographs in, in the lobby. And I didn't know how anything worked. Like, I was kind of – that was the very first 
official New Japan, New Japan show I ever went to. So I was kind of like, all right, in Japan. And I'm like, okay, um, I, I see a line. I guess I stand in line here and blah, blah, blah. So I get in line. I didn't know that you took the, you, you held the T-shirt and then he signed the T-shirt, right? So I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what to do. And so I gave him the T-shirt and he's trying to explain, hold it out, you know, stretch it out so I can sign it. And I couldn't get that through my fucking thick skull. So somebody, like a worker, had to grab the T-shirt out of my hand, hold it properly. He signed it, and then he threw it back at me. Dummy. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, another little tidbit from this feud is that uh, Naito's been talking about Yota Suji as well, about how uh, Suji holds the ropes open for him, and then Naito called him out for that, uh, saying that you know he shouldn't be so... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Penis. Obsequious? No. Obedient. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. And yeah, that added to the fact that Suji wants to go on its excursion to Mexico. Maybe there's something there. Maybe we might see Yota Suji joining LIJ in the future. But uh, who knows? Just a little little breadcrumb there. Might be nothing. But um, I think think Naito Naito just likes to call out young lions to get us. Well, maybe they'll be in LIJ. (laughs) Because he does that a lot, doesn't he? He does feel like he does. Right. Uh, third match in Nagoya is going to be a singles match between Hiroshi Tenzan and the Great Okan, and the loser must stop using the Mongolian chop. And our fourth match in Nagoya is Satoshi Kojima versus Will Ospreay in a no DQ match. Uh, Andrew asks, is this pro wrestling? And Nehek says the Tenzan comeback match was surprisingly entertaining and, dare I say, energetic. When was the last time anything involving Tenzan was this compelling? Um... I mean, I, I've lumped these two matches together because I just want to talk about the feud as a whole. Because for me, and I know you touched on it earlier, it's one of the highlights, probably the highlight of this tour. I love seeing the dads fired up and given something meaningful to do. It's way more interesting to me than seeing you know mid carders like Yujiro or Bushi going through the motions. And Okan is really growing too, you know, talking shit to the crowd while he's stomping on Kojima and and that, that sort of stuff. You know, that's half the job. D- doing the moves is only part of it. It's it's all the in-between bits that are going to get the crowd to really connect with what you're doing. Uh, John Carroll also pointed out how well Okan is bumping to and making his opponents look good. I love the Mongolian chop battle. They both were just selling it like a matter of life and death. Their faces were, were contorted with agony and rage. And it, it's making what, you know, it's a pretty goofy looking move, suddenly become the dramatic linchpin of their feuds. And, well, I counted 14 in the tag match, if anyone were wondering. And I think Osprey's adding those touches too, like, you know, biting Kojima's ear. And it's like, we always talk about, we love seeing those levels to characters and performances to show a bit of range. Like Tenzan going from Master Watto's kindly encouraging uncle to to being a a pissed off veteran fighter who's out for vengeance and and beating the crap out of these cocky young upstarts with a chair actually getting disqualified fighting off the young lions while B Priestley's shrieking in the background like I love this Damon and you know, Osprey and Okan selling the beat down uh, by storming to the ring the next day in the next show and throwing out the ref before Tenkoji even entered and then it just eventually breaks down into a no contest everyone's battering each other with chairs it, it's just it's the hottest food in the company by country mile and just that sense of escalation with Okan coming out the next day without the mask without the rope without doing the the Jiangshi 
little hopping vampire gimmick thing, kicking over the guardrails. You know, that is manna from heaven for, for dorks like me who watch all of these shows and, and love to see some continuity and little changes from day to day. And it's the little touches like that from Okan, that show, for, for me, he gets it. He, he understands pro wrestling. He may not have the size or the body, the flashy moves, whatever, but he has a, a pro wrestler's brain that I think is going to take him to the top. Like His mind for the business is everything that you know, a guy like Sanada, I think, is lacking. And you know, Tenkoji coming to the ring already armed with their chairs. Again, I just enjoy the way they're mixing up the booking. We had two no finishes in a row in these Korakuen Hall shows. Um, I like these stipulations, the Mongolian chop stipulation, the no DQ stipulation. You know, maybe we even got some retirements incoming for, for one or both of these guys. So, yeah, your thoughts on the Empire Tenkoji feud and these two singles matches? I'm glad that you brought that up, the, 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 the style between the matches escalating, right? Um, and Okan getting his ass whipped by Tenzon with that chair, lighting him up. Some pretty heavy shots, to be honest with you. Uh, them crawling to the back uh, with their tails tucked between their legs. Uh, and then they're going to do it again. And the last thing I would want to see is for them to, to get in the ring, do the whole gimmick, you know, do, you know, make it a, a a pro wrestling match when logic would dictate. I got my ass kicked, and I don't feel like I got a fair shake in this. And if if it's man on man, and this is you know this is going to be a fight, I'm getting in there and we're kicking some fucking ass. I loved it. I loved the fact that they took off the uh, window dressing, if you will, and they got in the ring and they were like, let's fucking fight. And they fought. And they got DQ'd or, you know, no contest or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Because that's logic. That's how it should be. If you got your ass kicked the next day in school, if you feel like I could kick this guy's ass, you're going in there, and you're going to go in there with that mindset of, I'm going in there and kicking this fucking guy's ass. That's what it was. Loved it. Thought it was fantastic. And again, Tenzan, as weird as this sounds, needed, needed to put an ass whipping on Okan. It needed to happen. Because people needed to be reminded that Tenzan is a bull, is an ass kicker is a tough guy and will fuck someone up if they get out of line. Same thing with Kojima. So I love the fact that the idea of, okay, that tag match ended with the baby faces, you know, walking tall, as good old JR would say. But there's still more of the story left. Second chapter. Now the heels are ready for a little fight. Good on them. They're ready to take it to them. Baby faces aren't backing down. Here we go. Breaking down in Cork and Hall. And now we have singles matches. Individuals. Where you're right. I think there's going to be some heel payback. Uh, I don't necessarily know if this is going to be Tenzon's retirement match. But wouldn't it be something if Okan came out there and put a beating to a legend? To a legend in New Japan, 
uh, to get a nice little rocket strapped to a back. He's the guy who put out Tenza. He's the guy that fucking, he's now, those chops. It's like, you ever see that movie, My Bodyguard? With the, the fucking motorcycle? It's my, it's, that's, that's Moody's bike now. <laughs> well, those chops, they're Okan's chops now. Yeah, it's a bit like a Tai Chi taking the iron fingers, isn't it? It keeps the the spirit of the the veteran, the the outgoing wrestler alive, whilst also adding a, you know a bit of law and a sort of notch to the the belt of the the young up and comer. I mean, Okan's winning, right? There's no way he's losing. He's getting the Mongolian chop. So surely that means that Tenzan is going to retire soon because you can't imagine Tenzan continuing to wrestle without the Mongolian chops, right? Right. Right. I mean, that's. I mean. You know, that would be ridiculous. So one would think that this might be the uh, the last hurrah. Nothing, nothing has been given to us anything official, but that would be a great story. And again, if if we're if we're trying to next level a dude, it's a pretty great way to do it. It's a pretty great way to do it. Being a guy that to knock out a legend, and again, that move, that's that's mine now. So yeah, pretty cool. And what are your thoughts on Kojima versus Osprey, the no DQ match? Do you think it's going to be a clean sweep for Empire? I do, I do. Um, which is which is fair. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. It's probably the smart thing to do. Um, and I think it would be. I think I think that match is going to be really good. I think that match is going to be really good. Um, the idea of no DQ does open things up a little bit. They can be a little bit creative. They can they. I don't want to say waste time, but they can do creative things to shave minutes off a clock where, you know, if you're just doing a straight match for 15 minutes, that, that might be a little bit taxing where you could do some, you know, one or two have, will do something fucking nutty, um, to shave some time off. You know, you still get that spectacular edge of your seat move that will can do. Uh, to to shave that time off for for Kojima and 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 when Kojima's in there, it's going to be rock solid anyway. So yeah, I think if they if they structure this match well, the no DQ will be not a hindrance for sure. Um, it'll make it well, a lot more fun actually. Um, so yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that one too. It reminds me a lot of old WWF WWE. Uh, it was Mick Foley who was always put in this role of having these violent no DQ matches with the young up and comer. And the the youngster would get the absolute shit beaten out of them, but would win. But in taking such a beating, it would help get them even more over. Like I'm thinking Triple H in 2000. Uh, he had a, a yeah Edge, Randy Orton. So I think maybe a, a similar model for for this Osprey match. I think if Osprey you know, takes a lot of punishment, that might help him get to that next level if he's not there already which he probably is to be fair and, and I want to say as well the promo work from both guys has been outstanding seeing angry Kojima just screaming into the microphone and also Osprey hit and miss with the promos for me but I think he's been really good with this one talking about how uh, you know back when he was a teenager he was getting into scraps on the street he was a little psychopath and hurting people and he, he tapped into something quite primal there and I, I think it was really good actually yeah uh, and here's the thing. Here's what it does too. It does give Will Osprey an opportunity to get a little sandpaper on him, right? And and, and within his newfound healdom, right? It's it gives him an opportunity to be a little gritty, um, and to to um, not just be this 
where everybody is kind of used to this high-flying aerial assassin baby face. Okay? He can get a little grimy and, and again, a little bit of sandpaper uh, in his game, and this is a great way to do it. Bash says, do you think needs uh, there needs to be more done with the Rev Pro title with the absence of the US belt at the moment? To me, it seems like it's just a prop for Osprey. Uh, at least Zach was defending it on shows, and even on Wrestle Kingdom, and Japanese wrestlers have held that belt. Or is there something going on with Rev Pro? You know, do you think it's a, a misstep to not have the Rev Pro title on the line for this singles match with Kojima? Hmm. I don't yeah. think it would add anything to the match if they yeah, said yeah. oh it's no DQ and the title's on the line then I don't think it would necessarily help the match it is just a prop though that that at this point um, would it hurt to have him defend the title I mean that's something they'd, they'd have to work together but I mean I don't I mean they have a great working relationship and I don't see that being a huge hurdle to climb um I, I, they could i mean it, it, I, I think that would just be an email or a phone call to see if they can make that happen but i i know listen if i'm rev pro i'd want it let's 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 you know they i'm sure i'm sure let's put it this way I wouldn't be surprised if that email had already been sent numerous times. Hey, I don't know if you got my third email, but <laughs> but you could defend that title if you want. So, but but say that in a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our uh, fifth match and main event at Nagoya is uh, Shingo Takagi against Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Never Openweight Championship. Uh, Smarkin Festive Water says, very important question. How is it possible that Shingo doesn't love Tanahashi back? Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. That After the time in McDraw, Tanahashi said that he loved Shingo. Well, they were sitting in the ring together, all six of them. He says, I love you. And Shingo completely no-sold it. He says he didn't care. So I thought that was an interesting, if slightly strange, bit of mind games from Tanahashi. And yeah, again, this feud is a bit of a strange one because Tanahashi has said that the never title isn't his goal. I was wondering maybe one of these guys might fail upwards and you know the loser of this match ends up challenging for the IWGP title, maybe even a castle attack. Uh, Martin says, guys, remember that Shingo pinned Ibushi last G1. Might Shingo lose here so he can challenge Ibushi? Would it feel convoluted? So there is that aspect to this match. I think there could be something bigger in store for one of these guys. Or maybe it could be the winner faces Ibushi, because Ibushi said backstage that he wants Tanahashi to win the Never title, and then they can fight. So there's definitely something strange going on that makes me feel that there is a case for either of these guys, win or lose, to go on to challenge Ibushi for the belt at Castle Attack. Yeah, to me, that's where we're finding our next challenger. I agree with you. Um... Wouldn't shock me to see Tanahashi win this. Would not shock me. But but in the year 2020, we saw Tanahashi looking at the lights so many times that a clean pinfall from Shingo would not shock me at all either. Um, I think it's a little disappointing, though, that, that Tanahashi went out and said that, you know, he doesn't really want the Never title. To me, that's a little disappointing to hear, because because it just makes it f- feel like I just you, don't. Like you don't guys. care. Why should I care? Yeah, yeah. I, like I just don't like guys purposely knocking 
championships. I don't, I don't. I never understood that. Why would you say you don't? Then why are you there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Then don't just then don't have the match. Who gives a you know? Nobody's fucking has a gun to your head. Fucking don't have the match. Um, like why are you going for the never title? Because you are. If you don't want it, um, I wish I wish they would have cut back on that. Give me a winner. Give me a winner. I am gonna say Shingo retains. And then Tanahashi challenges at Castle Attack, even though that doesn't make any sense. Logically, it's we'd have to find a way to make that happen. But um, here's why. Here's two things. One, again, Tanahashi has no problem staring at the lights, so there's that. Two, uh, Shingo. You know, he, I feel like he can hang on to that title a little bit longer and have a little bit, you know, more interesting challenges too. And I love the fact that that they are new, fresh cha- challenges. He can have plenty of those. I don't. Here's what I don't like. Kind of don't like the idea of the never champion challenging for the heavyweight and intercontinental dual gold. I don't think they can do that, Damon, because they've got two... It's two nights of Castle Attack at Osaka Joe Hall, and they need that Never title. Right! So I think it's a smokescreen, personally. I think that's why I say Shingo's going to retain, and he will defend the Never title at Castle Attack, but then perhaps Tanahashi somehow, by some fuckery, ends up challenging Ibushi for the the, the double titles. But I do think they need that Never title to be defended on one of those Castle Attack shows. Right. So in essence, you have three titles that would be tied up. I mean, we're counting them as separate titles, the heavyweight and intercontinental. I don't know why I continue to do that, but yeah, that's me. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you've tied you, – you, you, those belts are there to headline you – know, I don't want to say secondary shows, but the, they can semi-main event bigger shows. Like, Why would you tie them all up in the one match? So, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I, I can't see – Whoever walks away with champion, the champion is, is not challenging for the title. Yes. Austin says if Tanahashi wins the Never title, what are some sexy matchups he can have for the belt? Matches with juniors would probably be the freshest, but I can't remember the last time Tanahashi wrestled Ishii. So, yeah, that would be an interesting one. Um, how about Tanahashi versus Show? Right. That's, that was the first one. I'm thinking of like juniors or, or mid card baby faces. That might be able to get a match. We're talking mid cards. How about Tanahashi versus Despi? Wow. Huh. That would be something else, wouldn't it? That would be something else. That's see. This is what I'm talking about with that never title. Like the idea and the possibility of that you that you get when you get a guy who again falls to the never title right? falls down and now you know falls forward as you like to say whatever into the never title it just opens up this myriad of 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 possibilities that wouldn't be there if say tanahashi were holding the heavyweight championship or the intercontinental championship um like there's this whole pack of guys that are down there that would never, never have an opportunity 
with a single with a singles match against Hiroshi Tanahashi that now could. And it's and it's limitless. Like the the names that are down there. Um that's that's what's exciting for me for a guy like Hiroshi Tanahashi to hold the never title. Like to have those type of of crazy fire pro wrestling-ish matches that would not you would not be able to have those matches given where people are positioned on the card and with him holding that championship you now do so that's that's why I want the Hiroshi Tanahashi as the champion all right well that is our preview for the new beginning in Nagoya which will be coming up this weekend so let's dig into some questions then Flynn says who could realistically be a big enough junior heavyweight title opponent for Hiromu to main event Wrestle Kingdom with I think all of the options in Japan do not have enough star quality I would like to see Hiromu versus Leo Rush but I'm not sure they could build Rush up enough in time so Damon who do you think yeah I mean, they got to get him over there. He's got to quarantine for what seven days, fourteen days, whatever, the, whatever it is. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, it depends on if you know he can do that. You know, I, again, we joked about having a second job, but you know, if he can, if he can logistically make things work to quarantine and to do a, a tour that's profitable, yeah, they could, they could, they could light a torch under his ass and 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 make him a credible challenger. Sure, why not? You could do that. What about Ryu Lee? There's another name. Bring him back into the mix. Even, again, we talked about El Desperado. You mean to tell me we couldn't do that? Uh, again. Um, there's there's guys, I mean, maybe not. I mean, why not? I mean, could, could, could you do Robbie Eagles? No, you can't have Robbie Eagles no. main event in Tokyo, Dome. I'm not main eventing. But challenging for the junior title? Yes, but this question is specifically saying an opponent that could main event. Yeah. Oh no, I, none of those guys. No, no, I, I, no. Not, then I take that back. I thought it was just to challenge. No. Okay. So he, give, he, give he, me a junior opponent that could main event. There isn't any. Okay. There isn't any. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to main event the Tokyo Dome? No. No, there isn't. It'd be nice if Despy could get there, wouldn't it? It's, I mean, just the idea of him headlining and defending that title, headlining the Tokyo Dome, that's a big ask. That's a huge ask. Because um, it's just not, you, they're just not, you know, the fan base just isn't educated that way to, set, to, 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 to think that that is a legitimate main event. Even even with his popularity, even though I talk about him being a pillar of the promotion, I mean, had, did Liger ever main event a Tokyo Dome? I mean, that's the that's the benchmark to me, right? Like Liger, I mean, that's that that's the air where, where we're talking about Hiromo, if not in being close to '90s Liger. Like '90s Liger never headlined Tokyo Dome. Liger Tiger, Liger Tiger, nineties Liger. Would you? I mean, not even semi-main event, Tokyo Dome. He's been, you know, in that post-intermission uh, mix. That's that's always good, but it's not like he's semi-main eventing. Maybe against Choshu when Choshu retired, 
Would you consider that? I mean, that's a stretch, I think. Uh, like him against Sasuke or him against... Uh, maybe him against first Tiger Mask, Sayama. You know, when, when Sayama came back and he weighed 342 pounds. Um, maybe that would be. Not main event, though. That's that's a big ask. I don't think anybody's doing that. Yeah, this is the problem. It's not Hiromu's lack of star power. It's the fact that there's no credible opponent for him at the moment. You know, who knows what could happen in a year, but I, I can't see it at the moment. Um, Classic Catch says, how did Dragon Lee get into the Liger farewell match and not Desperado, especially considering that Despi was a young lion? Good question. I mean, really, he is a, a generational talent. He is incredible, and people often forget how young he is. So I could definitely see the logic behind that, that they think here's a guy who could be committed to New Japan, and you know they want to time down for a long-term future, and maybe them putting him in the Liga farewell match was sort of signifying that, that this is a guy you need to keep an eye on because he's going to be with us for the long term. And, you know, sadly, because of COVID or, or whatever, uh, it hasn't panned out that way. And maybe the the Hiromu angle too, you know, the fact that they're kind of intertwined with each other, maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, question. of course, of course, yeah. Um, okay, crap. Uh, sorry, crappy. <laughs> Cappy B says uh, it's his only tangential to New Japan. But was Ring of Honor's decision to be the backbone of All In the biggest mistake they have ever made? What do you mean by be the backbone of All In? So they basically made All In happen, didn't they? They provided the you know the platform for it, all the logistics. Oh, the first, yeah. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, Chicago, right? Yeah. And then basically ended up that led to the creation of AEW, which has cannibalized their yeah. market share. <laughs> In hindsight, and, and we know what hindsight is. Um, yeah. I don't, look, there's one thing that people don't give enough credit to is AEW being successful in this day and age. Um, is pretty amazing to to have a a big time TV deal, to have the 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 wherewithal to put on these shows and to take advantage of super red hot pro wrestlers in the United States and make them the focal point of your promotion. It can't be an easy thing, right? And and history has shown that that was a losing battle. That was not a smart bet. Um, and they made it happen. And I, and I'm sure ring of honor was like, yeah, you know, we'll let you put on a fucking show and you, you know, and then, Oh, it sold out in 15 minutes or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, Oh, I mean, no, no promotion had really done that. Um, yeah. I mean, hindsight being what it is, I'm sure they're kind of like, Oh, oops. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, Ring of Honor could say that in a lot of cases. <laughs> there's, a, there's been a lot of oopsies with the Ring of Honor, that's for sure. 
Alright, strap yourself in for this one. Mix or clicks oh. Dear Music Damon, I feel like the basic Bullet Club logo as a logo has at least as much artistic merit as the classic Misfits Fiend Club skull. I bought a motherfucking Misfits shirt at Walmart last year. I thought it was crazy, but I swear it happened. Okay. While the Misfits are my favourite band, I highly doubt most of the people who bought those shirts even knew who the Misfits were. Maybe this could Gatekeeper. be some kind of sideways way AEW could provide value to New Japan. I read some article once about some kid who had never seen a New Japan match but had purchased every Bullet Club shirt during the Hot Topic era. <laughs> Please feel free to edit for any reason. <laughs> so what the, the question is, is the Bullet Club logo hotter than AEW? In other words, is, is the Bullet Club logo a fashion statement for people who aren't pro wrestling fans? Kind of like people who will wear a Misfits shirt or a Nirvana shirt and not really even know who those bands are. Is that the question? I wonder if maybe the Bullet Club shirt became a, a signifier that said, I like pro wrestling, but I don't like WWE. Yeah. I, to me, that's what that means. Um, yeah, it, it was a uniform of independent pro wrestling fans that everyone can collectively be like, oh, you, you, and, and I know it's ludicrous to say now, but like at the time when it was taken off, it was like, oh, you, you go that deep? Oh, me too. And, you know. It's like the NWO shirt back in the day. When it, when it first, first started. Appeared, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to a certain degree. Yeah. Like for one week. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it was. I, I feel like it was more of a, of a rallying cry. Um, yeah, and, and trust me, w- having a Bullet Club T-shirt for like you know there was like a one month span where it was like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm the fucking cool guy in the, in the wrestling crowd. I got a Bullet Club T-shirt, um, and you know, as with everything, it gets homogenized and watered down. But yeah, I mean, could if the, if the question is is the Bullet Club logo as mainstream or excuse me as and I'll put in air quotes anti-mainstream to make it seem like you're cooler than you are i don't think look i don't think anybody's going to hot topic and seeing a bullet club logo t-shirt and saying oh that's badass i'm buying it the same way some 12 year old or 14 year old or 16 year old is going to hot topic and seeing a i don't know a joy division t-shirt and being that's cool you know what i mean like and not, you know, hearing one fucking note coming out of Ian Curtis's mouth. Um, you know, so no, to answer the question. Shinhan Sign Guy Dudley says, if Bernie Sanders became New Japan Booker, what changes do you think he would make? And I see you've already answered this one. I can't beat this response. Toasty Mittens replace Iron Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was great. That was, thank you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty witty. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I would go. Gig Me Like a Butcher says, in his famous essay, The World of Wrestling, semiotician and literary theorist Roland Barthes wrote, Since evil is the natural climate well, wait, time out. of wrestling. Stop. I don't know what you said. I don't know what you. What, what, what did you say? I'm just going to say read the beginning again. again. In his famous essay, The World of Wrestling, semiotician and literary theorist Roland Barthes wrote, since evil is the natural climate of wrestling, a fair fight has chiefly the value of being an exception. It surpasses the aficionado who greets it when he sees it as an anachronism and a rather sentimental throwback to the sporting tradition. 
aren't they playing fair, those two? He feels suddenly moved at the sight of the general kindness of the world, but would probably die of boredom and indifference if the wrestlers did not quickly return to the orgy of evil, which alone makes good wrestling. Does that, in fact, mean that everything is evil? Um, <laughs> next question. Uh, now, what I watched the other day, I watched two girls. <laughs> like, it was... A, it was they, uh, never mind. But that, uh, why? Uh, okay. I don't even know half the words that that you. I'll tell, I, I'll I, tell I, you I'm a story, sure you completely unrelated. Um, I was bathing Essie the other day, and she did a poo in the bath, and it was ah! it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I was just traumatized because I could see it happening, and there was ah! there was nothing I could do. I was like, ah! oh, Mom, what help! Did you do? <laughs> well, you had to fish Call it out. Let me. How do you clean? Right, we got. I got to ask. So when that happens, how do you? Remove it was it like a solid turd? Yeah, there were several solid turd, pretty solid just floating around. I called Mally and she said just take Esther out of the bath and shower her and okay. Mally <laughs> Mally dealt with all the poo. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a trooper. I don't I wouldn't know what to do. Like do you do you, do you scoop it up and what do you scoop it up with? Like what would you get? A ladle? I don't know what you get, and then do you ever use that ladle again? Um It's it's almost wow. symbolic of the job that editor Dan does for us, isn't it? <laughs> All right, a couple more questions. Uh, I got the time for two more. Two more. Okay, PWN says, which Road 2 tag team has a more fun dynamic, Tanahashi Watto or Ibushi Show? Ibushi Show. I mean, not for nothing, looking at that fucking tag team, there's 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 going to be some, uh, shall I say, thirsty huh, huh? Uh, pro wrestling fans. That's for certain. I did like the awkwardness of... Watto trying to do the air guitar next to Tanahashi, who's like infinitely cooler than Watto would ever be. So that was kind of fun from a sort of uh, a cringe element of it. But uh, yeah, there yeah, you absolutely. go. All right, last question. Then Jeff said, "Any more news on the TV deal?" It's not a TV deal. They never said TV deal. They said appearing on your TVs. And as I said, my educated guess is Roku, but we're, we haven't heard anything yet. So you just have to sit tight and wait for that one to be announced. Maybe it's Peacock. <laughs> God, don't get me started. <laughs> All right, uh, that will do it for today. So uh, I was going to apologise for the sound quality, but I, I don't want to. I don't feel like I have to apologise. Yeah, it's a free it. podcast. Uh, redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to throw some money our way. Uh, <laughs> brilliant audio quality of this show uh, Discord link is in the show notes if you want to uh, join in all the, the fun there at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast if you want to get one of our cool t-shirts big thank you as always to Editor Dan who you can find on Twitter at Lousy0219 subscribe to Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows give us a 5 snake review on iTunes follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast thank you everyone for listening and goodbye